in this episode of What the Prophets Say. Join us as we discuss wars, Israel, and the sin of taking sides. Yes, you heard it. We are going there in this episode of What the Prophets Say. Hello, loyal listeners, and welcome once again to another rip-roaring episode of What the Prophets Say with me, Emma Stark, and my sidekick. Sam Robertson. How are you, Sam? Yes, I'm great. We've just actually been looking at Sam's wedding list because it's not very long to the big day. We do record this ahead of time. I don't know when you will hear this. You might be married by the time people hear this. Probably. We might seem very out of time. But we're looking at the fact that you nearly have a complete crockery set. Yeah, we do. And the importance of that. Some people deliberately like mismatched. Oh, no, that that confuses me. What? Well, not confuses me. It, it bothers my. It bothers me. It bothers your sense like of matching. order. Yeah, I like match matching things. Uh, do you know what? I don't like drinking from mugs that have a chip in them. Yeah, I'm no, I'm the same. Or a I, slight crack. Well, I was told. You see, I don't know whether this is a lie, um, and it's a shame this isn't live. So that because you from such intelligent audiences, Someone you get would know. somebody would know that actually you get incredibly dangerous germs in any chip or crack on any piece of um, crockery. And then, of course, if your lips touch it to drink your coffee, you could get a deadly disease. Do you think I've been lied to? That seems very, when I say out loud, like a very teenager hyped-up conversation I must have had. But I've thought it for years. Yeah, maybe you weren't lied to, but maybe in your uh, prophetic drama type sense of self you've made it into maybe it was like you could potentially get you know a, a mark on your lip and it's become a you dead, could get a deadly disease a deadly disease as happens mostly with prophets and stories <laughs> things are very intense yeah they are you know with prophets it's either black or white there's no sage of grey or perhaps or moderation about it it's yeah. because we have to steward the voice of God and he is holy prophets are made to be a little bit extreme yes Yes, either all amazing or all absolutely disastrous. This is true. This is true. I was preaching um, in England at Shire this weekend and I'm running around, literally running around, because you know the way I like to preach by, I don't like to stand on a platform. I like to be down walking in between the people. People are utterly terrified of that because there's no sense of like that preacher is one step removed. And I find myself in somebody's in somebody's face, like literally inches from their face saying, what would you think if God told you to be Hosea and marry a prostitute? And the person had no idea what the polite polite response. You know, yes, I'll be obedient to the voice of God. Or no, 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 that's horrific. Then I thought maybe I was too personally in their space. Anyway, yes. But, you, but in the moment when you're stewarding revelation and you're getting excited about it or you're getting inspired, you don't really know what's going on. And then you do right. look back and you think, wow, I was bold. I, I do think I I would like to do a step count of a step if they I weren't so calories. ugly, yeah, or calorie burners to wear one of those during ministry because literally I feel like I run circles around rooms when I preach. I couldn't see you wearing a Fitbit. No, they're not very beautiful, are they? Yeah, it's not. Someone needs to invent a beautiful looking step counter, one that looks like jewellery, and then you would wear it. Yes. But I don't like digital clocks. I find them irritating. Yeah, no, I get that. I do mm-hmm. get that. Mm-hmm. Yes. I prefer a proper wristwatch. You do like a wristwatch. I do. <laughs> 
Shall we say something yes. wildly more interesting? And spiritual. And spiritual. Yes. Do you run around? You're not as running around, day. Depends where I am. What's the most running you've ever done while preaching? I wouldn't say I run, but I move. Um, I have literally done a full lap round a congregation to make a spiritual point in uh-huh. high heels and been out of breath and looked and had my makeup fall off my face with sweating. Yeah, I've never had that issue. <laughs> You'll be glad to know. I'm very glad to know. Okay, let's should we talk about war? Yeah, let's talk about war, the season of war. The season of war. Okay, my friends. Now hold on to your hat, seatbelt yourself in. We are going to try to create some biblical thoughts here, uh categories. Oh, three things. What is the difference between spiritual warfare, number one, spiritual warfare, number two, ugly man-made warfare, Mm -hmm. where it's all about man's instincts, man's violence, man's dreadfulness, versus category number three, when God permits or allows war on the earth. Yeah. And when we come into a war season, we can't just go, there's going to be wars and rumours of war. We need to know, okay, that's what Jesus says in the latter chapters of Matthew's gospel. Well, what are the possibilities? And how do we think around the differences between when God permits something or instigates something, when man instigates something, man-made warfare, or the spiritual warfare, which we should all be doing anyway. So we've got our three categories. Are we ready? Mm-hmm. Do you want to kick us off? Which which category do you want to start yeah. with, Sam Robertson? Well, I think as well, the reason we're having this conversation is we're acknowledging that we've actually been in peacetime for quite a long period of time in the earth. Um, And yes, there have been pockets of disaster or wars or whatever, but on the whole, especially in the Western world, peacetime has been our portion. Mm -hmm. And we have learned how to think, how to interact, how to behave, how to steward things like finances and relationships in peacetime. And actually, we are not in those days anymore. And it requires, my goodness, the most monumental of mindset shifts. And our listeners, I bet you know, we've, we're, we're all there. How on earth am I meant to think right now? Actually, how am I meant to think? How am I meant to pray? And so to, to go that way, we want to understand the three different uh, types or categories of war yeah. that there is, uh, that, that, that we can understand, I guess, what wars are right in terms of what level is there one that is right um, yeah. and, and how do we partake um, or, or what is our responsibility? The first being man war initiated man-made. by man. Well, let's let's go there first. Man-made, man-initiated. Man-started. Um, God's nowhere near it. Um, Satan's fairly close to it because it's a man-ordained man. And anything that's man-made, a man-constructed and has no breath of God on it is going to have Satan close by. So let, let's look at that. And let's go straight back to Scripture. When war is first seen in, in the heavens or the earth... It is in Revelation 12, and this is before, before. Uh, We are um, on planet Earth, and it says this, Revelation 12, verse 7, then war broke out in heaven. And so this is, God is um, in the heavenly realms. He's got his archangels in place, and war broke out in heaven. And Michael, the good angel, the warfaring angel, the archangel Michael, and his angels, I'm reading to you now from Revelation 12, fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he, 
we're talking about Lucifer and I, Satan, was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient snake called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So I've just read to you Revelation 12, verse 7 to 9. And so we understand that the first war we ever see comes from the heart of Satan. And so when God is not involved and when God is not in the picture, we have to say that war man-made and inspired by Satan here is about ego, about getting your way. It's often about genocide and a certain sort of victory that you will go for at any costs. There's nothing redemptive in it. There's nothing of the uh, consequences of sin in it. It is ugly, ugly, man-made. Satan speaking in the background. It is about pain, domination, and my rights, my ego. It's about this ugly sense of going beyond anything that would be reasonable into uh, destruction. We can list the categories of Satan who leads man in this way. And you can start to see the ugliness of war on the earth that is man-made and Satan breathed that starts to be about death numbers, about destroying people groups, um, this sense of I must have victory at any cost. There is nothing yeah. of negotiation, diplomacy. Let's do this a different way. Le- there's nothing of uh, a conversation about peace, of reconciliation, of seeing value in another. There is only this sense of we will protect ourselves to a level that is about me destroying somebody else. Yeah. It's about a, not just a victory, but a conquering yes. um, of of another people, person, group, nation, or, or boundaried place. I think as well, um, man-made wars are very often about amassing great power. Yeah. And God is severe um, against mm-hmm. those who seek to amass great power. Time and time again uh, in Scripture, he judges people who seek to amass power and wealth for themselves. And so anything that is about a, an invasion to amass power or to acquire mm-hmm. power or to acquire something uh, just to prop up self is um, a war that that, that starts mm-hmm. in the camp of Satan. And, and Satan is power hungry and he is always seeking for himself mm-hmm. more power because he knows his power is diminishing. More land, more, more wealth, land, more, more wealth, yeah. more people, more agreement, whatever it might be. That's and, empire. Empire really, isn't it? Which is empire, the ugliness of empire. And I think that empire spirit we see manifesting Mm -hmm. in war, um, though it may not be as strident as some of the empires we have, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, know about in our history, there is an empire type mindset that is we must conquer, invade, own, amass, grow our possessions, our wealth, our power. And I think war is complex and I don't want to make it too simplistic, but we understand that in how we, even after the Second World War, divided up some of the land and the territory, actually created the subjugation of people. We landlocked some countries and the sense then that you get wars of 
retaliation to things that are years old because it it came from places where we did not think about blessing mm-hmm. or um, the value of another people group or another tribe on the earth, how they are valuable before God, that we became suspicious, racist, uh, over-protectionist in our approach. And so sometimes it looks like wars spring up from nowhere, but actually we we have long understood that man is not kind, man is not often about blessing one another, man is left at his own devices, wrapped in original sin that takes man without God into this leadership place where Satan is dominant and you then circle back round to retribution, retaliation and, and vengeance and nothing of the kingdom of God, which is why you get often within war the worst of man whispered to by Satan, which is very, very bloodthirsty. Yeah. And I would always look at wars and look at the genocidal tendencies where they want to uh, annihilate. We look a lot at the anti Semitic tendencies in war, but that's not the only anti-people group that we see. We have a lot of war in the Balkans, in Somalia at the moment, where the genocide is very much their vengeful, man-made, bloodthirsty bloodthirsty, uh, war. And in that war, uh, how do we pray? Because I think when we look at man-made war and then spiritual warfare and then things that God is allowing to happen, we almost always must know what is the response in prayer. And for me, when you see the ugliness of the man-made vengeance and and death and, and the justification of death of the innocents, you have always, for me, looking at Luke chapter 1, verse 17. And Luke chapter 1, verse 17, I'm just turning uh, to it in my Bible here in front of me, is uh, the the portion where uh, a heart has gone astray and you are asking the heart to turn. And man-made warfare is a heart gone wrong, a heart of vengeance and retribution. Mm -hmm. And so you are then praying, I have it here in front of me, Luke 1, 17. Um, And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah, and here's the key bit, to turn the hearts to turn the hearts of the parents to the children, and here it is, to turn the hearts of the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make a people prepared for the Lord. And so here we are praying, God, when hearts are bloodthirsty, when hearts want vengeance and genocide and have no tempering and no limit to what they do, we pray for the heart to turn from disobedience to the way the kingdom of God does things to the wisdom of righteousness. Now, we understand that when war happens, um, the, the first thing that, 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 that is the, the place the enemy seeks is the heart. Um, for our listeners, you'll have heard us um, some episodes ago talk about um, the Matthew 24 scriptures um, where it talks about the rumours of war, but mm-hmm. how there is this um, offence that turns to betrayal, that turns to hatred, that turns to false prophets. Yeah. And that is tucked into the scripture where Jesus says there's going to be wars and rumours of wars. Yeah. And 
And so the heart, I think, in wartime, and here's key for your own self as well. Mm. I think in wartime, your heart is more critical and more exposed yes. than in other peacetimes. And so for you personally, for me personally, you've got to be good at measuring and checking mm. your heart because in wartime, it is more vulnerable than in peacetime. But you also then have to start in your prayers with addressing the hearts of those involved in war. And yeah. so don't just go straight to their actions, go to their hearts. May there be a seed that gets planted mm -hmm. in their hearts that enables them to turn to Christ and turn to each mm -hmm. other. May there be a seed of reconciliation, of love, of compassion, plant it in their hearts. That is a prayer for you. If you're wanting top tips on how to pray, take that, write it down, pray for their hearts, yeah. plant in their hearts seeds of reconciliation and compassion. I think then when we look at the spiritual warfare portion, it could not be more opposite to what we have just discussed. In every way. In every single way. So now we're in Ephesians and we're in Ephesians and let's turn to it uh, together. We're in um, Ephesians chapter um, six and it talks about our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, mm -hmm. but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness. Do you have it there in front of you? Oh, um, I've got, hang I've on got a the Corinthians ones. Uh, you, you, you guys will know this uh, very well. Um, so we're in Ephesians 6. We're in the last chapter of Ephesians now. And we're in verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers. We would say principalities and powers, depending on your translation. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil, where in the heavenly realms. Very powerful verse in Ephesians 6, verse 12. Mm -hmm. In other words, what this verse is saying is, get your eyes off mm -hmm. everything that is man-made. Now, we've just described man-made yeah. warfare. But this is saying, get your eyes off everything that is man-made. And spiritual Good. warfare begins in the heavenly realms. Now, let me be very clear by what that means. We are not therefore looking at man-made boundaries of nations, the modern na uh, nation state, political groups, political parties, national boundaries, anything that is a man-made structure, you do not look at as your first point in spiritual warfare. You are in the heavenly realms. Spiritual warfare is a wrestle for the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness. And that is, at this point in Scripture, not linked into man. It mm -hmm. is linked into principalities and powers. And we are very loose with this Scripture. Yeah, and we too easily assign a principality or a demon to a uh, an earthly side. But the start of spiritual warfare is that you look at the heavenly realms. In other words... Spiritual warfare, you go up high in the heavenlies and you say, what is the demon at work here? Is it a demon of um, conflict or bloodthirstiness or hatred or anger or a sense of mauling or a murder? Or And you start to deal 
with the principalities and the powers in strategic spiritual warfare. Mm. And you are therefore releasing, if you're not happy or trained in that sort of spiritual warfare, you then release the substance of the kingdom of God, the atmosphere of the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, Righteousness, peace, peace and and joy. joy. And, And at that point, at that point, you are out of political ideology, you are out of, I must protect this nation at any costs, and you are into the protection of people, of humanity, by binding the demons that lead men into hatred and releasing the ability for righteousness, Mm. peace and joy. Absolutely. You cannot win a spiritual war with worldly weapons or worldly tactics. And that is echoed again in 2 Corinthians, where Paul says, our weapons are not carnal, that we that they are they are empowered with divine power to demolish strongholds. They yeah. are they are divine weapons, mm-hmm. spiritual weapons. Mm-hmm. So you go into the spirit, there you go, you have your your what is the demon and you're asking God, what is the spiritual weapon? Which if you don't know and you don't have an answer, you're releasing um, the atmosphere of the kingdom of God. But there may yeah. be other spiritual weapons as well that God says. And I want you to feel really empowered because I think there is this sense of I don't know. I've had a lot of people say to me recently, I am reflecting the sentiment that they're not qualified to pray or to to prophesy or to know what to do in a season in the earth like today. Like, I don't don't feel like I can pray during war. What am I meant to say? What am I meant to do when we're in war times? And that actually God is saying, look, no, you can go into the spirit realm. You can see the demon, but you can also see your weapons, which are spiritual. And I want you to be doing this as your homework. What is the demon and what what are my weapons in the spirit realm to help take this demon out? And Paul says here, you know, and he's fighting against, well, he's being resisted by false some apostles. There's a whole anti-Paul move that's going on within that area. I mean, he's tra- he's being forced out essentially, yeah. and he's saying, "Look, I don't I don't fight them as they're fighting me. I'm not resisting them as they're resisting me. I'm fighting a spirit with mm-hmm. spiritual weapons." And he's going into the spirit realm to gain a decisive victory by the power of God. And so you are, and um, no matter how well versed you are uh, in prayer and warfare, you are more than able to go into the spirit realm, see the enemy, see your weapons yeah. and apply them. And, and and so then you do expect that to that spiritual warfare to have a practical Absolutely. impact and to be manifest on the yeah, earth yeah, because yeah. we we begin by warring in the spirit and then we see a practical application of it. The kingdom of God manifests on mm-hmm. the earth in these in days of man-made ugly warfare mm-hmm. where where men have gone beyond anything that 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 um God would um, back. Absolutely. And so let me talk to you about Northern Ireland because that's where I grew up and I, I talked about this on Par R before. Um, but it's worth saying that it came to the point where we had buried so many dead. And although I grew up in um, what would have been seen as a traditionally unionist mm. community, and we would have very much seen the enemy as the IRA and the Irish Republicans. It come. It came to the point where you understand that violence perpetuates violence, and I think even though we were on a side yep. by culture and church upbringing, attendance yeah. and upbringing, we understood as a family that 
I'm on a side, but I don't think God is on either side. And that's a shocking realization that I'm on a side and God is not. Absolutely. That is shocking. And I want to protect and I want to defend, and that is okay up to a point. But ultimately, there was a sense that arose within, particularly my father, that the way we were going to do this was not to shoot Mm -hmm. every member of the IRA Mm -hmm. or to destroy every Catholic who ever walked the face of the shores of Ireland, that that was not going to be, that would be genocide. And that if God was not on the side of the Protestants and God was not on the side of the Catholics and that it was not a God-just war that, that, you know, once you'd resolved all of that, that we were just in ugly man war, uh, we only had one option. And that was this, turn the other cheek. Mm -hmm. Wow, wow, wow. Come on. And therefore, you're standing at graves with all of the pain of an open grave and you're burying the dead and you are still hearing bombs go off and you are still watching and there's no ceasefire. There was no ceasefire. But we decided, and my dad would have led the charge on this, do not retaliate this death. Do not seek man-made justice. Mm. God will do this over time. And that the greatest form of justice that we can bring to a community is peace for our children. Yeah. And the greatest thing we can do is have uh, have murder and war as a memory, not a current reality. And somebody has to be brave enough to say, I don't want vengeance yeah. for this situation. Yeah. And maybe that's why God says vengeance is mine, because he knows yeah. that in our fallenness and in our humanity, man will always have a propensity to apply vengeance in the wrong way or to have ego motivations or mm-hmm. whatever equal equal eye for an eye motivation in the uh, in vengeance and in the outworking mm-hmm. of it i mean for for what you said there you people saying god's not on a side well that's what he says in mm-hmm. in, in joshua chapter 5 yeah. just before the fall of jericho which is a war but yes. he says look you know he turns up there's this christophany a theophany mm-hmm. an appearance of god God, yeah. uh, in flesh, not an incarnation, but an appearance of God uh, as an encounter to Joshua. And Joshua's first question is, whose side are you on? Are you for us or for our enemies? And, and God says, neither, none. Don't apply me to a side. Don't put me mm-hmm. who is uncreated and apply me to a side of something that is created. And God, God is above that. I think it's not so much even as well, that we say we don't take sides or we're not on a side. I think that the reality is because we're humans, we will always have a motivation for a side. We will. We do. We all, but we have to recognize that and then come up and above, Mm -hmm. come up and above it and see it as God sees it. Ask God the intelligent questions rather than just expecting that God is going to reinforce your own side taking. I think that we understood in those days the need to protect ourselves. That was understood, um, particularly to to understand that our family was a target back then and, and the IRA were sending my father death threats. 
And we did have police protection as a family unit back in those days. There was no doubt about that. So we we weren't rash with the understanding no. of protection. We um, chose a certain approach to what we defined as defending ourselves. We, we did the job to protect ourselves from future harm, um, but defending ourselves in terms of wanting vengeance and an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, we did not do that. We put safeguards in place to minimise harm, but we went forward to say the only way this stops is if I'm the first to stop it. Mm. And that is what the Bible would say, turn the other cheek. And I don't know that we understand that unless we're quite highly skilled negotiators, that we never said, oh, the IRA must disarm or the IRA must change their objectives. Nobody demanded that because that is stripping a people of some of their identity. But And you can't expect that to happen overnight. Yeah. But you can go on a kingdom journey where you say, I start by turning the other cheek. And the first thing is we're going to make peace Blessed are the peacemakers because God is not on a side. I would go as far as to say that in the Ukraine-Russia war, I would say the same thing as I would say about Northern Ireland and Catholics and Protestants. I'm not so sure God is on any side. I think we assign God a side and a political backing or a country in error Mm -hmm. and that God is saying, come on, guys, what I want is is mature spiritual warfare that understand people have value and that you are praying that the hearts would turn to find me in man's sin and bloodthirstiness would be my my personal take on that. Absolutely. And the, the call to contend for peace and war for it, mm. um, it, it, it as as a restoration and an outworking of what happens in hearts. And mm. I think this, look, this deeply exposes our, our tendencies uh, as mm. humanity. Um, I think when you see war, I mean, it's just vicious to see. Um, it's yeah. terrifying to see. If we're honest, reading about it, it you almost can become accidentally mm. numb when there's so many news notifications yes. all of the the time that it's easy to either become disengaged or really, really yeah. rattled. And I think that is why we need one another to haul each other into what is God saying, what yeah. is God doing, and what is my duty and my responsibility mm-hmm. here. I think as well, when you are seeing weapons um, of, of great destruction and mm-hmm. you are seeing world weapons, worldly weapons, you have to be even more intentional to remind mm-hmm. yourself always mm-hmm. that my weapons are spiritual. And spiritual weapons are not just the prayers. I think spiritual weapons are a conversation that is subversive to the narrative that is going on and conversation that changes uh, the storyline or or, or puts a different story in the atmosphere. Um, And we've got to be really um, careful, I think, on social media. Mm -hmm. We've got to be careful in our commenting. We've got to be careful uh, in our posting that we are not accidentally backing a world weapon, but we are going into the spirit first. So it would sound, Sam, that you and I are slightly down a road that might be called pacifism. I would say, no, we are not. And this is why, and this is the third category, when God allows war, and uh, this is 
perhaps the most challenging yeah. of the three areas to talk about. The man, the man made more of genocide and bloodthirsty and the desire for victory above everything is easy to define. Spiritual warfare is actually fairly straightforward to, to define. We just happen to not like yeah. it because we like victory more than we like people and reconciliation. Mm. And that's the pain here. We like victory above everything else. Let's talk about when God allies. And Thomas Aquinas, the great, um, I don't know, theologian, yeah. theologian um, of hundreds of years ago, coined the phrase a just war. Now, I don't like that phrase. Um, my husband and my father would not like that phrase. We don't believe there is any such thing as a just war. Thomas Aquinas was wrestling a concept yeah. there to try to put onto scripture uh, a kind of a catch-all that sometimes God is one who allows war to happen and allows consequences to out, uh, to outwork. So if I was to define that, I wouldn't use the phrase just where I don't like that concept because it, um, it, it, it makes... Uh, murder and death seem like it's uh, uh, permitted, permitted and and it's somehow righteous. I don't actually think you can really justify that in Scripture at any point, that that war is somehow righteous. Um, So this concept of jihad, I would say, leave to the Islamic community the concept of a righteous war. I don't think that's a Christian concept. What you do see in Scripture is this. You see the holiness of God, which I don't think we talk about enough. Fiery, pure, pure, purity and holiness. And that when man rejects Jesus as like the ultimate sin or man rejects the ways of God um, or man um, loves mm. unrighteousness and wickedness, God allows consequences to come. And most often we see that God allows unrighteous nations to punish or bring consequences to almost equally unrighteous unrighteous nations. So I don't think you can ever say there's a righteous nation because the concept of a righteous nation is very hard to cite biblically because a nation doesn't give its soul to Christ. So only an individual does that. So you're looking at nations all with unrighteous tendencies being permitted by God to cause consequences to be felt in other unrighteous nations in the hope, I think, in the mind of God, that they turn and cry out for mercy and their need is rediscovered of a saviour and of the place of God and who he is. And I do think that is majoritively, if not exclusively, how you see war utilised in scripture as the place where God says, this is unrighteous and so I will allow some yeah. consequences. Yeah, where, where Christ and the principles and values and the ways of Christ have been continually rejected. Yes. And God yes. says, now I need to judge and now I permit, I allow, I lift my hand of, of protection that there might be um, a finding of Jesus and a finding of the ways of Jesus. Yes, yes. And so therefore I, I would want to push it God may or may not have favourite nations. That's a slightly different broadcast. It doesn't actually matter 
whether you perceive your nation or that nation or a nation or another nation is covenanted to God, that doesn't protect you from consequences. It doesn't matter how well worded your constitution is and how brilliant in the um, uh, inception of your nation there was a devotion to God. If that nation, whether you like the concept of nations covenanted or whether you like um, what was put into your constitution as godly in orientation, if you have utterly rejected the person of Jesus Christ, if you have loved wickedness, I don't actually think your history has a get out of jail card for mm. free associated with it. And that takes us into 2 Kings 21. And this is God talking about his yeah. own people. And I'm going to read to you um, 2 Kings 21 14. verse 14. Yeah. I will forsake, this is God speaking, I will forsake the remnant of my inheritance and give them into the hands of enemies. Mm -hmm. They will be looted and plundered by all their enemies, verse 15. They have done evil in my eyes and have aroused my anger from the day their ancestors came out of Egypt until this day. And so this sense of God saying, look, you may well be my people. You may well be people that in the past have delighted my heart, but I allow even what looks like quite harsh consequences because we have no real understanding of what the holiness God actually feels and looks yeah. like and the standard it uh, uh, needs uh, from us to, you know, for us to live by the standard of holiness. And so when an empire gets too big for its boots, when sin is great within a nation, God says, now here comes your consequences. And I think you you don't call that just war. You call that God permitted war, where God says, I'm going to allow some things. I'm going to even allow you to be provoked. I'm going to allow you to overreact. And I'm going to allow consequences to come to you. Why? Because you have rejected Jesus. Mm. And I think then we say, not God is on a side. I don't think we ever say no. God is on a side, whether it's God allowed, whether it's um, uh, a man-made. We just, that's not, you know, uh, uh, something that we like here, but I think we understand that God says, I will allow mm -hmm. um, you to be wounded and to be deeply, deeply in pain because I would rather you find my son mm -hmm. as your savior. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we can't think that covenant means that we can bypass the consequence of sin. Yes. Whether that is both personally or for a people group yes. or a nation state, sin always has consequences. And so how do you pray? Well, we know that if sin is exposed and there is a consequence of it, what matters is a repentance and a return to Christ. Yeah. What matters is a recognition that Jesus is Lord. And so your decree mm -hmm. is, remember we said, you know, uh, for, for the for man-made mm -hmm. war, you know, the hearts turn to one another. I think in this space, your decree is, may they find Jesus. May they find yeah. Jesus. Their hearts turn to 
Jesus. It's a harvest prayer. It's a harvest yeah. prayer. And I don't know if I, if I could say harvest, if harvest mm -hmm. comes, if people find Jesus, then they expedite the process. Uh, you know, the war is shortened, whatever mm -hmm. it might be. But I do think that the the condition um, or the degree, the level mm -hmm. of the war can, can in some way be helped by those who turn to Jesus and find mm -hmm. Jesus and the recognition of Jesus. Because ultimately, harvest is what matters. Matters, and you've got to start to pray for souls. You've got to start to pray for salvation. You've got to start to pray for hearts. That mm -hmm. is your duty right now. It is yeah. not to pray for armies or militaries or anything like that mm -hmm. um, and amassing great power. I mean, those who are involved in war, you pray for their hearts, but it's people and hearts, people and hearts yeah. always, that they find each other and that they find Jesus. Yeah. Can we just mention Israel? And now you do need to listen very carefully to how I choose my words here. I think most of the the spirit-filled, born-again church would say that they were pro-Israel. And, and we are too here. We love Israel. We are pro-Israel. Does that mean that God has shut his eyes to anything that she ever does? No, it doesn't. And that actually my pro-Israel, my love of Israel, I would prefer to put it like that, my love and my passion for Israel means that I can get on board with God shaking her out of love to find a saviour. Absolutely. I can get on board with some things not going her way if they find their saviour. And that if those uh, people who live in Israel are stubborn and hard-hearted and consistently reject Jesus Christ as Saviour and Lord. You can expect them to be shaken. You can expect some things to happen on their soil that is not great. But that applies to every single nation in the world. And that place of, I want to pray, um, not just that, oh, you win and somebody else has genocide. No, 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 no. I want to pray for every nation in the world that they come to find their saviour. Mm. So I do think that we are entering the days where we will see some unfortunate things happen to Israel that God is saying, look, this is consequence territory. It's consequence that you still won't find Jesus as Messiah. And that is true all the way through Scripture, that, that, that God is probably most determined in his pursuit of um, Israel over every other nation because he loves Israel. He loves every nation, but he loves Israel. It has a place in his heart because his son is a Jewish son. But this place then within the Jewish people where he says sometimes, and mainly through Scripture, I deal with you very firmly because you will not acknowledge uh, the standard of holiness that is required. You won't turn from your sins. You won't go after Jesus. And so I think we have to say in those situations, when God allows bad things to happen or when God allows consequences and that, that comes in the form of war, that we are not ever to be fine saying, I'm on this side and God's yeah. on this side and, and someone's on this side. No, 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 no. We're saying, God, we're on the side of harvest. 
and we're on the side of hearts that turn and we're on the side of whatever you need to do to turn a nation around to find you. And we are not football hooligans who chant the name of a side um, like immature children. We say, God, we get behind what you are doing as king. We are only ever, only ever on the side of the kingdom of God that works its way out sometimes in the most painful way so that Jesus is hailed as king and acknowledged and submitted to. And that is very difficult. Mm. Amen. There we go. Did we just, did we just go there? Mm -hmm. So I just think we need to become a little bit more biblical literate. Yeah. And you need to have, look, we all have opinions and emotions about this yeah. matter. You've got to choose your space that you have the conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you know, our listeners, we'll have triggered some of you. We'll have provoked mm-hmm. some of you. Some of you will be going, I don't agree. Others of you will be going, yes, I do. Look, l- may this provoke in you good conversations. Mm-hmm. And I would say, let if you've been triggered, if you've been provoked, if you're thinking, I don't know how I feel about this, mm-hmm. that is fine. That yeah. is how good choices are made if you come yeah. into the space of healthy dialogue and this uh, don't don't form your opinions mm. by yourself i mean these opinions yeah. that we have formed and these beliefs that we have formed have been over weeks and months of private wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. and phone calls and conversations yes. and changing our opinion and changing our views time and time again and the same can be for you and um, mm. but i would say don't feel um Un- unqualified to pray. I would say if you're unsure what to pray, don't pray your opinion, mm-hmm. but pray hearts, find each other, find Jesus. There's your decree. Mm-hmm. I think God is not a God of destruction. He's not a God of death. He's not a God of chaos. And he's not a God of genocide. And wherever we see bloodthirstiness, I do think we are beholden to yeah. to go into the spirit realm and to say, in the name of Jesus, that spirit yeah. is not allowed to operate. Mm-hmm. And and usually in war, that's on both sides of the agenda. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, Sam. So I want to bless you guys as you listen to this to become those who stretch into spiritual warfare expertise. You must go on that journey. And you must be those who know what it is to see what's going on in the spirit before you do anything else. And you are always blessed when you are making peace. And you are always blessed when you leave vengeance to God. And your form of justice is a a, a peace contention so that children do not grow up in the ravages of genocide. So interesting days in how we think and we pray. We're finding ourselves too shallow, aren't we? Mm -hmm. And we're finding ourselves too partisan. And we're finding ourselves not backing the the kingdom of God and, and backing nation states rather than the kingdom of God. So I bless you to mull this over and go on a journey. Thank you for listening to us. We will see you again for another episode very soon of What the Prophets Say. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of What the Prophets Say with me, Emma Stark. If you would like to go deeper with us, you would be very welcome to join our network, the Global Prophetic Alliance. You can find that at propheticscots.com, where we have a comprehensive training program to lead you into deeper realms of the Spirit of God and encounter. If you feel a call and a pull to deliverance ministry, you can download my latest e-course, which is a comprehensive overview view of getting people free from demonic oppression, you'll find that at demonbusting.com. Join us on these different platforms for more interaction with Emma Stark, Sam Robertson and the GPA team.